The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. Welcome back. It's so good talking to you all about the Buffalo Bills. Uh, We've got some great questions this week. You can leave your great questions for next week's episode by calling us at 716-508-0405 and leaving a voicemail. You can text that same number, 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at rumblingsqa with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can send us Facebook messages or Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumblings account, and those will get to me. Email us, buffalorumblings at spnation.com. The offseason keeps getting wilder and wilder. A huge trade in the AFC uh, may have shifted the power dynamic a little bit. Uh, We've got questions about the Buffalo Bills tight end room and another potential uh, big trade that could sway the balance of power in the AFC. Um, Got questions about the defensive line this week. It's going to be a solid episode, so stick around. Uh, for that. Uh, The Buffalo Bills announced on Monday that they won't be holding a training camp at St. John Fisher College for the second consecutive year. It'll be held at the AdPro Sports Center in Orchard Park, New York. That's the Buffalo Bills Fieldhouse. Um, So that's kind of sad for Bills fans and um, for a lot of media. Um, It's I understand why, you know, shifting the protocols that far east um, shift um, because of what the bills, what the hoops the bills have to jump through in order to hold practice. I get it. Um, it's still disappointing for a lot of us um, who you know see an open air venue and know how much fun it really could be uh, to be at that venue. Um, but also, the bills want complete and total control of training camp. Uh, they always have under Sean McDermott, and um, this is going to give them. You know more and more and more control um whether it's over the fan base tweeting out pictures and video from training camp whether it's just relaying um, personal accounts from training camp um, controlling how much the media has access to as far as practicing goes um it just it's going to give them more control that they want and 
you know, if, if the last couple years have been any indication, we're going to get very, very limited information from the media because they're worried about their press credential getting pulled if they cross the line. Whereas a lot of fans who would go to practice would tweet pictures and video because they were really unconcerned about the repercussions from the team. Uh, so we're going to get less training camp coverage than you know we did in 2019 and, and earlier. Um, but we should get more than we had in uh, 2020 uh, with fully vaccinated reporters on scene. We're going to start getting some more of those in-person interviews opening up, even though most NFL teams are trying to keep that as buttoned up as possible. So um, that's just a quick little rundown of you know the disappointment that comes along with the Bills canceling training camp in St. John Fisher and holding it at their home facility in Orchard Park. Hopefully, they'll at least be able to do a red and blue scrimmage at some point um, and have fans in attendance at that kind of practice. All right, moving on to your questions. Um, and the question I'm getting from a ton of different angles, it was sent in via email, it was sent on uh, Twitter at Buffalo Rumblings, uh, it was you know on the Buffalo Rumblings website, is you know how does the Julio Jones trade to the Tennessee Titans shift the balance of power in the AFC? The Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs played in the AFC Championship game last year. The Chiefs have you know, signed a bunch of guys this offseason and improved. The Buffalo Bills re-signed a lot of guys and, and tried to stay kind of the same while adding some uh, pass rushers. The Titans went out and added Julio Jones. They changed offensive coordinators. They did a couple things to get better as you know a team. And obviously Jones being the biggest one, but if you go back and look at the 2020 season, scoring points wasn't exactly the Tennessee Titans' problem. They had 491 points in 2020. That's just 10 fewer than the Buffalo Bills. They were top five in both yards on offense and points on offense, but they did come up short in the playoffs. They lost to the Baltimore Ravens, scoring only 13 points, gaining only 200 yards of total offense, 158 yards uh, passing, 51 yards rushing. And that's with a 2,000-yard running back, Derrick Henry, um, only gaining um, 50 yards total rushing in that game against the Baltimore Ravens. The, the Ravens' defense really put the clamps down on Tennessee. And so if they're trying to get over the hump, they're figuring, oh, maybe we can score more points. But if you look at their season on a whole, they scored a ton of points. And they put up a ton of points on the Bills. They um, put 42 points on Buffalo in Week 5 early in the 2020 season. They hung 40 points on the Texans twice. Um, they put 45 points on the Indianapolis Colts, another playoff team. Uh, they scored 35 on the Browns, even though they lost that game, 35 to 41. They put 30 points on the Ravens earlier in the year. Um, they are a, they were a solid offensive team in 2020, and even so, came up short in the playoffs. And so, like when I look at the Titans and like what problems they're having, I don't know if they necessarily solved them. I don't know if Julio Jones, a 33-year-old wide receiver, is going to solve their problems, and especially a guy who missed so many games last year. So, I mean, if he comes back and he's healthy, plays 16 games for them, um, you know, returns to the Julio Jones of old, I mean, I'm sure they're going to be happy with you know the one-year rental for him. But you know, if he plays well, he's going to want more money a year from now, and. They've already given up their second round pick for him, plus other picks. 
And so, you know, it's it's really a, a short-term play, a guy that they think is going to get them over the hump this year or maybe this year and next year. And sooner or later, they're going to have to pay the piper both you know, financially and um, with the draft pick compensation that they sent. You know, uh, with that being said, I think yeah, if, if they were looking for that strong-armed quarterback that could just lob it under Julio Jones and he could run underneath it, I just... I don't know if Ryan Tannehill's the guy for that. Um, I think Ryan Tannehill's a very talented quarterback, um, you know, in the upper half of NFL quarterbacks. And maybe it alters the AFC landscape a little bit. Um, You know, but being able to put up points in the playoffs is obviously something that's at a premium. The Bills scored 27 points in their wildcard win. Uh, They scored 17 points in their... um, divisional round win over the Baltimore Ravens, the same team that took out the Tennessee Titans, but that was because the Bills were able to hold the Ravens out of the end zone. Thank you, Taron Johnson. Um, And then the Bills scored just 24 points to Kansas City's 38 points in the uh, conference championship game. So being able to score is going to be at a premium in the AFC playoffs. And so that's the you know, that's the play that the Tennessee Titans are going for. And everyone's like, oh, who are you going to guard? Who are you going to guard? Well, that's one of the reasons why I've been advocating, and I know a bunch of folks at the Buffalo Rumblings have been advocating for adding another top-flight cornerback. Maybe not, you know, all-pro cornerback, but somebody that's at least more athletic than Levi Wallace and Josh Norman were a year ago. And, you know, they already did, obviously, address the pass rush with Greg Rousseau and uh, Boogie Basham. So maybe by the AFC playoffs, the Bills pass rush is elevated enough where it can disrupt the quarterback, even if the even if they're trying to get quick passes off. Uh, but, you know, if the Bills are able to go out and sign one of those available free agent cornerbacks uh, to upgrade athletically over Levi Wallace, then maybe the Bills do have, you know, a significantly upgraded roster enough where they don't have to worry about uh, the Tennessee Titans. Um, but, I mean, we're going to see a nice little um, preview of that on Monday Night Football in October. Um, the Buffalo Bills play the uh, Tennessee Titans again. And, you know, the, it's going to be very interesting to see how it all shakes out uh, in an ultra-competitive AFC field. When we come back from this break, we'll get to some more specific questions about the rest of the team. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> To our email inbox where Joe asks us at Buffalo Rumblings at SBNation.com, how do you envision the defensive line rotation? Who is in on passing downs and who is in on rushing downs? If I understand some of the draft opinions correctly, Greg Rousseau will be more of the traditional pass rushing defensive end where Carlos Basham will be one who could go outside on rushing downs and kick inside next to Ed Oliver on passing downs. Yeah, I think you also might see uh, Mario Addison kicking inside in addition to that. AJ Epinesa was a guy that they've talked about kicking inside and he had the frame for it last year. But with the weight loss that he's gone through since joining the Bills, I'm not sure if he's going to be one of the folks that's able to kick inside anymore. He's just a lot leaner this offseason than he was last year. And so maybe they've been working with him uh, more to develop his uh, pass rushing ability as opposed to 
his ability to kick inside. So I'm kind of starting to take AJ Epinesa off the table as far as a guy that can kick inside. Here's what I wrote in my 53-man roster projection in early May. Um, I had the Bills keeping eight defensive linemen, um, five of them being defensive ends. Uh, Mario Addison, Carlos Basham, AJ Epinesa, Jerry Hughes, uh, and and Greg Rousseau. Um, So with how much nickel the Bills run and how many players have DE, DT, or one tech and three tech versatility, Buffalo goes with only one true defensive tech, or one true one tech defensive tackle in Stara Lotulele even though he's coming off a season where he didn't play. Um, Harrison Phillips doesn't make the roster, and I don't like giving up on third-round draft picks, uh, and maybe he can be impressive coming off his injury at this offseason, but they, if they want to improve the defensive line, you know, I don't know if he's one of those top eight guys that are still on the list. Um, so with Star coming back, the DT numbers won't be there, so I anticipate him taking you know a fair number of snaps at one tech, Vernon Butler going back and forth between one tech and three tech. Um, even Ed Oliver playing a little bit of one tech in passing downs, like you were saying. And um, Mario Addison, Carlos Basham, um, and then maybe Greg Rousseau kicking inside on some pass rushing downs to play that pass rushing uh, defensive tackle position. Uh, it, it's interesting because, like, I think it. If you have to look at the defensive line as a whole, it can't just be like, oh, we're going to keep four defensive ends and four defensive tackles. And, you know, we have to stick with that because of how much shifting they do in that regard. And especially because they want to go after uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. If you go back and look at that Chiefs game, the one in week six, not the AFC Championship game, that was the first time the Bills sat down uh, Trent Murphy and Harrison Phillips in the 2020 season. So they went with pass rush ability as opposed to run defender ability. And so that's why they sat Harrison Phillips and Trent Murphy. So if they're going for more of that pass rush, you know, it would make sense for them to to kick down some of those defensive ends into that defensive tackle spot. Um, circling back to the AFC Championship game, it was Trent Murphy who was on the sideline. Harrison Phillips was active in that game, but the Bills had obviously some different needs around the roster by the time the AFC Championship game came around. So I do think that you're going to see that rotation with Carlos Basham, with um, Greg Rousseau, with Mario Addison, and um, you know those guys kicking inside to that defensive tackle spot. As far as pass downs versus rush downs, you know, I think that the Bills are going to keep up with their rotation, um, but start to lighten up on Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison's snap counts. Um, They want to keep those guys fresh because of how old those two are getting. And so instead of seeing like a 75-25 split, you might see that at the beginning of the season with uh, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison getting 75% of those defensive end snaps. But as the season progresses, getting closer to the 66-33 split um, that the Bills want to see, and maybe even some 50-50 splits uh, coming down the stretch as Greg Rousseau, you know, gets through you know, his first NFL offseason, his first you know couple seasons on the roster, his body starts to change as A.J. Epinesa keeps uh, progressing, hopefully. Um, again, we saw his body change already. You know, by the time they get to the playoffs, those guys aren't going to be rookies anymore. They'll have played their first NFL season. 
And so counting on them to be a different player in January than they were in September, I think is okay. Um, I mean, they're not going to be you know, head and shoulders better maybe, but you know, they should be a different player than they were in September. So that's how I think the defensive line rotation is going to go. Um, it's, you know, like you said in your email, Joe, um, I think the idea of doubling up on defensive end at the top of the draft makes even more sense. Yeah, um, you know, having that ability to kick inside is, you know, get both of those guys on the field, the first and second round picks on the field at the same time, whether it's this year or next year or after that, you know, yeah, that makes a lot of, of sense. So thanks for your question over Buffalo Rumblings at SBNation.com on our email. One more question here, and it's, did the Bills do enough to improve the tight end one position in 2021? The only person they added was Jacob Hollister. Um, of course, this is a question you know in reference to Zach Ertz being available, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles tight end. Um, I I think the Bills did enough based on you know the the types of the types of formations that they want to run. They want to get their wide receivers on the field. You know, they ran more three and four wide receiver sets than anybody in the league, I think. Um, and so getting, you know, your wide receivers on the field necessitates somebody coming off the field. And a lot of the times it's the tight end position. Uh, so I think they did enough at the tight end position if they want to play with multiple receivers on the field um, even more. Jacob Hollister is an NFL-level tight end. He's a replacement-level player, but he's a solid player. Um, he can come in and fill that uh, second tight end role. Um, they still want to give Dawson Knox a chance uh, to step into you know a longer-term role with the team. It's kind of a make-it-or-break-it year for them. Um, it, would it surprise me if they traded for Zach Ertz? No, but I don't think they find it necessary for their offense to keep clicking. I think they're just going to bank on the evolution of Dawson Knox with Hollister as a backstop um, in sort of that Tyler Croft role from a year ago. Um, but you got to remember, Tyler Croft was inactive for a lot of games last year down the stretch uh, because they were really comfortable with Dawson Knox and what he brought to the team. And they just didn't run a lot of multi-tight end sets. They had Lee Smith in for uh, his run blocking. Uh, they had Dawson Knox for the, the, the pass routes and the pass catching. And Tyler Croft was the one that was inactive in a lot of those games at the end of the season. So you know, the Bills obviously don't need to have a tight end for their offense to be successful. They were they proved that last year with, you know, again, running a bunch of three and four wide receiver sets. And now you have Emmanuel Sanders in for John Brown, who is you know, on the injury list for a large chunks of last year, you know, the Bills can legitimately run uh, four wide receiver combos with, you know, NFL, really good NFL players. Um, they might be able to run five wide receiver sets with really good NFL wide receivers. So, you know, having the wide receiver core that they have means that the tight end group isn't as important as it might be on some other teams. With that, Please send in your questions for next week's episode. 716-508-0405 is our voicemail and text line. Uh, again, 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle. Buffalo Rumblings at SBNation.com to email us. Uh, you 
should definitely go over and subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast network if you haven't done those things. We had some great guests over the last month, um, including Buffalo Bills running back Antonio Williams. Um, over on the podcast network, uh, the Circling the Wagons podcast, talked to former Bills wide receiver Don Beebe this week. Uh, so just, I mean, a lot of great content coming out, even though it's the middle of the NFL's dead zone, uh, the offseason. Um, OTAs are going on, but since they're not allowed to really report from OTAs other than attendance, there's not really a whole lot happening there. So we've got still some great content coming on all of our platforms. So make sure you subscribe and like and do all that stuff. We really appreciate uh, you listening. We appreciate when you tell other folks to listen to us and go Bills.